when you really go deep into this first principle, one of the great things about it is that you immediately embrace the truth of the fact that everything is transforming and changing. You, in a sense, at the very beginning of the experience of life, you begin to see that actually, foundationally, everything about it is in a state of transformation and change. No matter what your expectations may be, no matter how good something may be, it is subject to change and transformation too. Welcome to Natural Tendencies. I'm your host, Rick Braden. Join us as we hear the real issues affecting real people that truly and deeply impact their work performance. Anxiety, depression, conflict, marital problems, trauma, grief, and loss. Right here, right now, right on! Hello, friends. Continuing our conversations with John P. Milton in his home in Crestone, Colorado. I'm looking out the window right now at a recently fallen pristine white snow. There's probably maybe five to ten inches in different places. And as the clouds parted late in the evening, it's just a beautiful crystal clear blue day in southern Colorado. So we began this exploration with one question and I was asking John to go into some detail around what he describes as the fundamental truth, which he has spoken about many, many times and is certainly expounded upon in two of his books, Sky Above, Earth Below and Principles of Natural Liberation. Cultivating Natural Liberation. Cultivating Natural Liberation. Thank you, John. And the second work is just is incredibly useful because John calls the pages of this work leaves. And they're individual, lightly laminated pages that you probably wouldn't want to have them in a monsoon but if there's a sprinkling of water or anything like that, you can just easily wipe them off. I've had this experience numerous times as I work with them. And it's nice because they're individual pages that cover many, many topics. But one of them, one of the topics are this called the 12 Guiding Principles. And the first one is where we started what I thought would be maybe a, 10-minute conversation, which is now probably five podcasts, and we've made it about to the fifth or sixth word in the sentence, which all perceived form is interconnected, continually changing, or constantly changing, continually arising from manifesting within and returning to primordial source. That is a mouthful and a lifeful for sure. So probably the first few podcasts really focused in on the idea of what is perceived form. And really, what are the benefits of going deeply into the perceptual fields? Any of them, which John goes into pretty significant detail, 
But how can we work with these perceptual fields because ultimately they're what we have to work with as humans to really work our way through the struggles we have, the suffering we have of being disconnected, disconnected from nature, disconnected from our true nature, our deepest nature, disconnected from outer nature, and to a large extent, really confused and disconnected from our own inner nature. So the interplay, the interconnectivity of those three natures, big part of, of what not only does John teach, but also provides very accessible and practical ways to work not only within these 12 foundational core principles, but also with the perceptual fields and everything associated with them. And I assure you from personal experience and from the many, many people I've talked to that know John, some probably more than 50 years or getting close to that anyway, that working with these principles and these teachings with every single person I've met, including myself, has had a profound impact on their lives. And I really feel that it's sort of the degree you commit to this process, the rewards seem to come forward accordingly. And so there's these, at least in my own experience, these sort of aha moments, these visceral experiential, because this is all experiential. It's, there may be a concept that introduces you to a principle, but from there, one quickly moves into the experiential realm. And ideally, in pristine, wild nature. And those, the experience that I really see as, as gifts, gifts of nature, you might say, there are moments of profound stillness, peace, relief from fear, all of the things that I think we all struggle with. And when these sort of epiphanies occur, I don't know what it's like for everybody, but for me, there's a profound reality that there is something here. There is something that's really good, that's really healing. And then that creates a real natural desire to go deeper and a natural commitment to progress. And that's really been how this experience has unfolded for me. So as we're exploring this first fundamental truth or the fundamental truth, you, we ended our last podcast, John, with you mentioning it would be really important to talk about intent and the role of intent in the way of nature process and the process that you've refined. Can you share yeah. some of that with us? Sure. And I, I think uh, as a precursor to that, I did want to mention uh, one little aspect about this part of the first principle that we didn't touch on last time, which was uh, why being able to move completely into the now in a totally relaxed way is so important to help us relieve suffering and 
many of the anxieties and problems and issues of the time that we all face. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting that most of the um, issues, if you look at some of the great traditions, Taoism and Buddhism, for example, and also in Christianity, I think it's uh, emphasized quite a bit that the attachment to self to material things, to relationships, to uh, <clears throat> having things that <clears throat> we believe will bring us happiness <clears throat> becomes a uh, kind of a major focal point for life. And then when those things don't come through, we go into a state of uh, feeling a loss and, and some level of suffering. So when you really go deep into this first principle, one of the great things about it is that you immediately embrace the truth of the fact that everything is transforming and changing. You, in the sense that the very beginning of the experience of life, you begin to see that actually, foundationally, everything about it is in a state of transformation and change. No matter what your expectations may be, no matter how good something may be, it is subject to change and transformation too. And uh, so the key here is <clears throat> becoming really comfortable and surrendering into this experience of change and transformation as a foundational thing about life. And also seeing that the attachment to trying to keep things as they are is the doorway to suffering. And we're trying to set up a continuous life insurance policy for everything. <laughs> of course, sure. uh, I always get a kick out of getting, especially when I'm 81 now, we're going on 81, and I occasionally get these little notices in the mail about taking out a life insurance policy, and it always makes me laugh. In the post office, before I heave it into the recycling bin, because um, obviously there is no such a thing as true life insurance to, to ensure that your life continues. We never know when we come and go. <clears throat> so at every level, having this uh, process of being present with and relaxing into the truth of change and changing, uh, everything changing in terms of these experiential perceptual fields for, for sure, but in the way we normally concretize it into a relationship, uh, property, um, a nice car, um, many things that we formalize these things around. All of that is subject to a process of transformation. If we, at the very beginning, start to dissolve the root of attachment, then we are free to actually enjoy in the moment these things that are rising as a great gift of life and we can be completely with those things as they arise in a full way without the fear of they might go away tomorrow or they might, um, or we might uh, need to have what we had in the past. If we went to a nice restaurant and then suddenly it's closed, now we get to find a new restaurant. Um, <clears throat> we did that this morning. Yeah, we did. It was a nice new restaurant. Yeah. So. In that same way, the fact that we are not attached to a, any particular outcome is absolutely critical. 
And the key to being able to do that <clears throat> is being able to be really relax and be present with the now. Because in the now, the truth of all those experiential, non-experiential and perceptual fields <clears throat> come together in the in the in the field of life itself. So, <clears throat> so that kind of mastery is critical uh, because it frees us from either being held by the past and then constantly thinking about something horrible that happened in the past that might come come again in the now, or what we would we got to get in the future in order to be happy in the future, and that of course tends to destroy the now because we're thinking about the future instead of really enjoying the now. Same thing is true about worrying about the past. It's not to say you don't worry or <clears throat> take a look at the past and learn from it or look into the future and uh, take creative steps to have a, a good life. But you do those things <clears throat> without attachment to the outcome. So since it's so important to be present, relaxed, in the now. Something I've discovered in working with being a psychotherapist and working in the behavioral sciences for 30 years is that I find that people who are more uh, fixated or attached to the past tend to primarily struggle with depressive disorders. And the people who are more concerned about things future tend to have anxiety disorders. Interesting findings. And um, so, I think it's important. Like, where would you, where would you even start? I mean, there's so much out there now about. It's interesting because you hear about presence just about daily. If you go to a newsstand, that has exploded with concept of presence. And I think if I asked 10 different people what presence was, I'd have 10 distinct answers. And being in the now, I think Eckhart Tolle did a great job in The Power of Now of sort of really exploding that into the market. And now I don't even know how many books there are on being in the now. It's interesting to me how few things I find about the value of relaxation or how do you do it? Yeah. Where do you even start? Yeah. What, like, how do I even get my get around the concept? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems kind of self-evident that we would, uh, when we're first saying, "Okay, I really would like to be more present in now," because I think anybody would be, say it, because this is obviously a very good thing to do. Um, but there's not a lot of discussion about, as you say, how do you how do we get there? How do we open the door? And um, <clears throat> for that, uh, the process of relaxation, decontraction, is absolutely essential, whether you're dealing with future or past influences. <clears throat> because both of those have to do with being taken away from the now, from the presence, into things that don't really exist except in our minds and our emotions. And so, to let go of some of those existential tensions 
and anxieties that are constantly pulling us away from the appreciation and the joy of being in the here and now becomes the first step. And very few teachings I've discovered really emphasize relaxation as the beginning of the path. Uh, you find this is a good opening for so many of the yogis that take on uh, yoga nidra in the Hindu tradition. That does give a strong emphasis to relaxation. If you're in the Taoist tradition, the Taoists, especially if you're mastering some of the principles of the internal martial arts where you're dealing with uh, conflict, <coughs> which is physical, emotional, energetic, mental, and and spiritual to some degree. The very first thing that you must learn how to do is to be able to allow the chi to flow through the body and to allow the chi to respond to the situation free and un unencumbered. Now, the, can we think of chi as just vital energy? Yeah, vital life force. Life force. So if, in order to do that, any blockages that are in the, in the body, the emotions, the life force, the mind, and so on, need to be released. And of course, that means that there has to be a principle of letting go and relaxation at all those levels, the level of the body, body the levels of the emotional body, the levels of the energy body, at the level of the emotional patterns that hold those tensions, at the level of the mind that holds hold those shadows. And even in, as we're learning in our, we're doing a shadow retreat right now, we're moving into the ancestral and karmic patterns, which often are the seed points for even some of the mental problems and issues and contractions that arise. When you go through and you start looking at those different levels, bodily, emotional, energetic, um, mental body, uh, ancestral patterns, and karmic influences, and you take a particular issue set and you go into those and you release and relax, and let go at all those different levels, then you've accomplished a very complete transformation of, of, the, of the shadow aspect. That's what we're up to these days. We're finding that right now. This is an advanced training retreat I'm doing. It's taking three years to do. But um, I looked around <clears throat> for some place that it, uh, addressed uh, letting go at all those different levels, bodily, emotional, energetic, uh, emotional, mental, karmic, and ancestral pattern. I couldn't find anything. So I figured, well, let's just do it and see what we come up with. And uh, so that's what we're engaged in right now. And uh, but I thought I'd share that with you because this may be a little new for you too. And the uh, uh, the discovery, part of the discovery, is this principle of deep relaxation and letting go applies. And, and integrating that with presence applies to all those levels of how a shadow may manifest, how a contraction may manifest. So it is literally the very first path. And, uh, and of course, the path also begins even prior to the possible possibility of relaxation with setting intent, the intent to relax, which brings us back to the question yes. about intent. So you're bringing us back to intent and I'm going to pull us back to relaxation <laughs> in the push and pull of the dance. What's your happened. intention with that? <laughs> to, my intention is really pretty clear. It's to provide our listeners with a starting point 
a beginning point, which I think you have made quite clear, is relaxation. And if I've never even, if I don't have any way of knowing how to relax, which I think is true for most people today, certainly in modern society, in cities, because I'm in cities across the country, coast to coast, pretty much every single month. And it's quite obvious. And it's even obvious in myself, much of the time. Where would you even start? Where would you begin your journey of learning how to relax? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. I, I'm smiling because, you know, in, in the Hindu tradition, a city spelled S-I-D-D-H-I is a spiritual power or capacity. Mm. And, uh, but the sound is the same as city. But in the Hindu tradition, it's called cities. And we have very few cities in the cities. <laughs> <laughs> and very few siddhas who are the masters of, of spiritually accomplished activity, which is based upon deep relaxation. Maybe that's not, a, not an accident. There are very few siddhas in the cities these days. But um, so I was smiling about that as you were talking. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I think if we look upon uh, relaxation as something that we can cultivate, you and I are both gardeners. We love gardens. Uh, <clears throat> now, to grow a good garden, it requires good seed, good soil, capacity to maintain that soil, help uh, help that soil to manifest its highest level of health, make sure it's properly aerated, has good mineralization naturally occurring in the soil. Um, then you want to have good seed that's non-GMO, a good basis for, for the basic DNA of the plant, and then provide all the basic elements of water, water with the water element, the sun and the capacity for photosynthesis and the opening of the seed coat. And uh, then the magic of the garden itself unfolds and then how you space the art garden with companion and planning principles and the aesthetic principles of just plain beauty. So gardening is, and of course the result is just an explosion of great joy. And flowers have only been around for, you know, maybe a hundred million years or so. <laughs> what a gift to existence. Yeah, We both like dancing with this. Yeah. So um, uh, cultivating a garden is very much like what we need to do with the principle of relaxation. We need to provide the correct elements for relaxation to occur. And of course, the first step in, in that is finding out how we are bound and not relaxed and honoring the truth of being caught up in tension. Have you ever gone into a restaurant and watched somebody with the bouncing leg syndrome? Certainly. What's happening there is the bouncing leg is, it's kind of hard to do it. I have to kind of use my hand to do it. It's, it's a natural release of tension. It's built up in, in the body very often. It's a, the life force is looking for a, a way of unbinding itself and moving into the natural flow of, of, of experience and joy of life. So there are lots of little signals like that that we need to honor if they begin to show up in our, in our uh, being. 
and we need to initially start exploring them at, the, at least at the level of the body. Then later on, we can go a little deeper and look into the emotional basis for it too. Um, so we start with the body and the emotional basis. Later on, we begin to work with the energy patterning aspect. Um, <clears throat> so I deeply, I deeply uh, recommend the practice of this yoga nidra type of practice, where you, you go through a uh, profound level of relaxation from the crown of the head down to the toes and then back up again and go through different levels of the body. Uh, you can do it, I, I like to take at least a half an hour to an hour to do this. When I first wake up in the morning when I, before I go to sleep at night, ideally. And when you do that scan, again using the intent, the power of intent for this, the intent is simply to relax and let go and to identify where you might be feeling contractions in the body and the emotions. At Behavioral Essentials, we intend to help a lot of people. And today we hope we helped you. So join us for our next session, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, and visit our website at behavioralessentials.com. Thanks for listening.